An interesting story is being presented to men and women in homes and offices all over America. It can start, they say, almost unnoticeably. A handsome swain and a lovely lady. This moral decay. Now the focal point of the free world of tomorrow. There they will be allowed to rest, talk to others, and regain self-control. It's just in time. Time. Hey everybody, it's just in time. Today's episode is going to focus on moving to Vegas. Not from Vegas, but to Vegas. So in very many different incarnations, whatever we have representative people to talk about here. So I am Justin. With I'm me is Kirsten. Well, I still don't know how we do that. We I don't know how we're going to do that. Okay. And then we have a special guest today. Alex is with us. Alex? Hey everybody, I'm Alex and moved to Vegas pretty recently, about five years ago. And uh, happy beer. And Alex has an excellent voice for this, so we'll be calling on his services for bumpers or something at some point. Lovely. Okay, good. <laughs> so in talking about moving to Vegas, it's something that uh, a lot of Californians kind of look at and a lot of New Yorkers look at. And I think that in large part is because of the tax benefit. Something that pulls a lot of people here is that there is no state income tax. There is property tax, there is sales tax, and there's gas tax. There's all the, the normal kind of transactional taxes, but there's no give us 10% more of your paycheck like they do in California or in New York. So I moved to Vegas from New York in 2013. I'm giving a, a dog pause to see if she's going to go off barking. Is she on the couch? No, it's the kids next door. She's okay. barking at them. Hmm. So, so <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I don't know what to do with her. You tell them. I'll just let her be. <laughs> okay. I had somebody that was listening to the show reach out and say that because of the way we record in stereo, where you're in one ear, Kirsten's in one ear, and oh, then I'm really? in the other ear. I didn't know you did that. Do I get to go in both? Yeah. Sweet. That sounds weird. <laughs> I'm glad you're excited about that. <laughs> but one of the things that they pointed out was because it's in stereo, when Goose is walking around, it sounds like there's a dog walking around. Oh, that's them. cool. And so they thought it was their dog. That's funny. And they were like, oh, haunted. And they took the headsets off. No, it wasn't. They put it back on. They went, wait a minute. They have a dog. <laughs> Guys, we do have a dog. So if you're barking, your toenails, it's not your dog. That's our dog. That's Goose. Yeah, we still have to figure out what to do with her. She's not one that is easily quarantined. Like, we can't just throw her up in the bedroom upstairs because she will knock down that door like it's her job. Yeah, and if we put her in the backyard, she's really close to where we're recording, and she will bark at the pigeons. Mm -hmm. But she's actually a part of this episode because we moved her here as well. So I moved here from New York. Kirsten? From Florida, but originally from New York. And then you moved Goose here from Florida. Florida, and we did that together. And then Alex, where'd you move here from? I moved here from California. I grew up next to Oakland, California. So, so you're a Bay Area that. kid. Bay Area kid. So being a Bay Area kid, did you do college in the Bay Area too? Uh, I did college down in San Diego State. Uh, California yeah. has a unique phenomenon. I'm sure a couple other states have it, but basically everybody from California, if you grew up in uh, the Northern California area, a lot of us want to go down to Southern California, see what LA is like, check out the beach scene, and vice versa, a lot of the Southern California kids want to come check out the Redwoods and see what the mountains have to offer. Yeah, so so as far as college moves go, I grew up in San Diego, and I went to undergrad in San Francisco. Yeah, so we did the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah, so we are a testament to your point. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the first move, the move when you move away to college that most people have is their first big move. Unless their family Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) (laughs) Unless their family is military and they move a lot or there's a big job change and they move. There's not a lot of... Well, no, this isn't fair. To be honest, where I grew up, there weren't a lot of moves. There wasn't a lot of switch from one place to another. That's true. San Diego was a lot military and stuff. Well, back when you were in San Diego, it was kind of an undiscovered treasure at the time, right? There was not enough industry there to justify a lot of people moving down there. Yeah, my parents have lived there longer than there's been a freeway that connected it to the east. So the eight freeway didn't God, you're exist. So lucky. Yeah, which is why they're able to afford to live there as retirees. <clears throat> a lot of retirees leave and go to Vegas or places like that where there's. <laughs> Their retirement goes further. You got to cash out that pension, man. Or 401k. Well, that's a crazy thing. So my parents being in San Diego are part of the uh, California uh, Cal- CalSTRS or CalPERS. It's the Teachers Retirement Fund. I think that's CalPERS. CalPERS. So as a part of that, they will always pay California income tax on their pension no matter what. Hmm. That's part of being in that program. So even if they move, they'd still pay California income tax on that. So... They might as well stay. They might as well. Yeah. So one of the things that we kind of bump into on this uh, this show and I think is, is relevant here is how different it is doing stuff in Vegas than doing it in other places and how different yeah. Vegas is when you're actually here than the way it looks. So let's talk about the three moves that we had, right? So Kirsten to Florida from New York, Alex to Southern California from Northern California, and I've got some input both from Southern California to Northern California. And then I moved back to San Diego. And then I moved from San Diego to New York for grad school. So all of those moves have certain, have certain characteristics to them that are much different than the move to Vegas. So in your estimation, Alex, what's the, the biggest difference between moving away for just college and then moving away to somewhere like Vegas for a job, which is what you did? So for college, uh, the craziest part was I'm the middle child and my mom was crying uncontrollably for like an hour. And it's like, you know, I don't deserve that attention. And when I moved away from work, <laughs> she actually helped me pack the U-Haul. So that was, that's the first major difference that I noticed. So, so when you moved for work, it was, yep, thanks, bye, send a check. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Don't forget to call. Um, I think big, one of the big issues or areas that was different was when you moved to college, there's a lot of things kind of set up for you to be integrated. There's a lot of opportunity for you to make friends and, and to find your niche. Uh, when you move away from work, it's kind of like restarting your life, rebooting your life. And uh, one of the unique things of Vegas is a lot of people move here with what's perceived as Peter Pan syndrome. You get a lot of men, children, people who don't want to grow up, you know, um, all of a sudden going He's not the- looking at me when he says that. No, no. <laughs> uh, there's a mirror across the table from me. Um, you you uh, quickly grow your uh, dispensable income and so you can buy cool toys you can rent a bigger apartment or a bigger house uh, when I when I first moved here um, I went from a tiny apartment $1,400 a month in the Bay Area I forget square footage on it uh, into a 2400 square foot five bedroom three bathroom house and my rent was less than what I was paying for the apartment so uh, 
you can imagine all of a sudden you're buying cool furniture, you have a game room. Uh, the first house I moved in actually had a jam room. The walls were insulated so you could play an instrument at your discretion. Uh, 10 at night didn't matter. You literally couldn't hear it late at night. It's amazing. And it was pretty nice. Um, so let me ask you a question. You said a lot of people move here with Peter Pan syndrome. Do you think they actually come here and then get Peter Pan syndrome because all of a sudden they have the capacity to indulge their random whims? I, you know, I think some of that's just the perception of people from being out of the area. Um, you might not fit into the major urban area that you're currently at. And so you move here and you kind of get to reinvent yourself. Vegas, at the time that I moved here, it was 2014 uh, wintertime. There was still a lot of development going on here. It was still a growing area after the major um, economic tanking that happened here. And so basically you could find things that you liked. And so some of that's forced by the weather, I think. You know, you don't necessarily go down to the local park and meet everybody in your neighborhood to go play pickup games of volleyball on the weekend. Um, the weather's so hot that, you know, actual gyms open up and you can pay five bucks to go to an open gym and now all of a sudden you meet everybody that's playing uh, volleyball. Oh, got it. Not a, not a gym like a 24-hour fitness or something, but like a, right. a local wide it's, gym. It's a warehouse gym. with a soft floor. Yeah. Um, so you get these opportunities to kind of do things that you never thought you'd do and you have to try these risks you never really tried. Um, for me personally, I was commuting an hour and a half to work and an hour and a half from work. And I got really lucky that the job I had prior uh, to moving here, my boss at the time, our first daily meeting, we would take from our car. He also commuted an hour and you kind of realize, hey, why don't we chit chat for an hour before we get into the office? So when we actually show up in the office, we can hit the ground running. Um, and that let us also leave about a half an hour before everybody else at the end of the day. So my commute probably would have been longer if I didn't have such a, a great manager. Um, but every day I was losing two to three hours of my life. Right. And so when I came here, I, you know, not only did I have uh, dispensable income, but I also had an extra two hours to actually do things with it. So uh, for the first two years I was here, I joined a, a men's rugby team. You know, That's right. Yeah. How did you find out about that? Uh, a guy I basically followed around my whole life without knowing. Uh, saw that I came Wait, to Vegas. You didn't know him, or you didn't know you'd followed him around. I didn't know I followed him around. Okay. So he was in like a math class with my older brother, at, starting in sixth grade, and I wound up going to the same university as him. He was playing rugby in college. Uh, I followed up living with a bunch of rugby guys. I had to play in college, um, and then I moved out here. And he goes, "Okay, if you're gonna follow every step of my life move, it's time you start playing rugby." And uh, just a great group of guys, but. It quickly kind of showed me that people in Vegas find uh, cool opportunities because one of the guys was a lawyer, one guy was a doctor, one guy was a club promoter, a couple guys were mechanics, another guy was an analyst, and uh, it's just funny. You know, it's like all these people you think are meatheads actually are, you know, hardworking people that find a, a common, you know, fun thing to do. So I, I think that the, the point you hit on right there is extremely true, is that any kind of extracurricular activity you get involved with the cross-section is super eclectic. It's not, hey, these are all a bunch of people that work in the same place and then they go to this together. It's if you get involved with any of the things here, everybody from somewhere does it. Yeah. And because it's such a tiny town, you're going to know somebody who knows somebody that's in one of these and the crossover is huge. Strangely enough, yeah. It was at 1.8 million people right now. Yeah, I think the entire state's still at so, three and a half. Yeah, stop moving here. <laughs> <laughs> well, people uh, are so. 
we've hit a spot now where they have those really cool time lapse where you can look at like Vegas in the 60s from space and watch it just kind of expand and explode outward from the Hoover Dam and the Lake Mead. And at the same time, the population grows. Everybody worries about the water and goes, we're not going to be able to do it. But Vegas has done extremely well with putting together um, water mitigation strategies, both for the casinos and then for residences, both with uh, buying zero-scaping for the yard, and there's a bunch of programs through NV Energy, Southwest Gas, uh, to keep everybody like as economical as possible on water use, gas use, electricity use, and all these kind of layer into each other. And you turn around and we're actually, our water use is not growing commensurate with our population because we've controlled and recycled it to an amazing extent. Well, we're pretty fortunate. Uh, so much of the development is brand new development. I think the city's density is at like 50%, meaning half of it is houses and half it's just dirt that's not developed. Um, so anything new going in that's been going up in the last five to six years has um, has had these measures on where it's a low flow shower head, low yeah. flow toilets, zero like you said, was it zero waste, zero scaping, zero scaping. Yeah, um, and that's all. That's all pretty good because it's backed by uh, the water rights that uh, I forget his first name, but Mead wrote Lake Mead. The name comes from the guy who wrote the water rights that was then copied uh, by several other nations. So. You know, you get out here and you're like, why is it the Hoover Dam in Lake Mead? Who's this Mead guy? And you go look into it and it's like, this guy was a genius for water rights and usage for the public. And so that's been always kind of protected in Vegas's history. You know, the Hoover Dam project was what? Probably one of the greatest. Uh, yeah, it's right up there projects. with the Golden Gate Bridge. It's huge. Yeah. That so, was part of the, um, um, the just works project, the public works project that the Public Works Administration put together. Yeah. The Hoover Dam was huge for both power and then control of water because like say the water rights that come through the colorado hit here and then lake mead is the great partitioner like right. it holds it and then they meet it out based on the rights right so and then there was that what was it five six years ago where they finally let the big water through and they let it get all the way to baja for the first time in like 50 oh, or 70 years or something so Baja California used to be where the Colorado River ends. It gets all the way down there, and then it goes into Baja California, and the Sea of California in there. But at the Rio Grande, no? I don't know. That's cool. I don't think so. Rio in Texas? I thought it was at most of the border. Maybe not. No, because we're we're uh, we're on the other side of the Continental Divide. That's right. So everything here either lands in the Pacific or Baja, while everything on the other side lands in the Gulf uh, or in. Um, the Atlantic. That makes sense. So I just got my boater's license about a year ago, and they make you take all. So because Lake Mead is an interstate waterway, yeah. you have to go do a special certification. And you have to get that little yeah. sticker that says, I'm not going to use my boat somewhere else, but well, bring it back and contaminate this river. Well, there's that, but also they talk about uh, human waste disposal because it goes into intercontinental waters and the oceans. So don't pee in the Lake uh, Mead? Don't dump your septic tank in a Lake Mead. Don't oh, dump it in any waterway, yeah. which is <laughs> no. silly that you have to do it specifically for interstate waters. But, I mean, they, they talk about basically, yeah, if you dump your boat stuff in there, it's going to hit the ocean. So. I'm surprised they haven't made like a clever jingle and put it out there to convince people. They need another Golden Knights hockey you player. I'm not going to make that jingle. Come on, you're good at them. Yeah, but it's not in my head right now. <laughs> Not musical right now. We'll get back to it later. Well, this morning you were. First thing in the morning, I woke up and he's singing to me. I'm like, okay. I don't know what this has to do I with dated a dork. Vegas. <laughs> I dated a dork. Okay, so that's fine. That's, it's in that category. I hope there's a podcast day song. 
There's a podcast day song? I, a what? You tell me. You're, you tell me. No, there's not a, there's not a podcast day <laughs> I song. I don't remember there's what the song was this morning. And then the, the, the end piece is uh, Better Meat Type Chicken, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things. Listen to the end. You should explain that at some point. I'm not going to. No, you're just going to no, let it ride. Enjoy. Okay. Everybody. Um, so in that movie, in coming out to Vegas, so for me going to college, you know, there's a lot of stuff is already arranged for you, you know, from... Uh, lodging the scheduling and work is kind of an, a secondary thing where you kind of go, okay, I'm going to find a part-time job. My primary job is going to school. Right. So what's the difference between that and then moving out to Vegas? Because when you go to college, you don't have to take as much stuff. You kind of go, okay, I need my backpack and my clothes. I don't need to fully pack up furniture and stuff. I don't need to fully pack up a life. Yeah, it's true. A lot of your stuff's already pre-furnished, right? If you move into the dorms. Uh, moving out here, it was, yeah, it was my first big move. That's, eh, I see, I moved a lot of stuff from college home, but I used like the family van for that. Um, so you could fit all your stuff in a van. Yeah. When you leave college, it's kind of the nice thing, right? You're so poor. You don't have a whole lot of stuff to bring with you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. A bed, computer, dresser, I think, you know, you just throw all your clothes in the dresser and you're good to go. You're living Uh, a very austere lifestyle. Right. You're like a monk. (laughs) <laughs> well, now it's a really cool thing to do. You go live down by the river, and you, you're a cool guy. 20 years ago, that was a bad thing. Um, you know, call it a mini home or whatnot. Um, no, I, I moved home. I had a buddy actually go down with me. He's like, yeah, I need a quick three-day vacation. I'll drive down with you and drive a little bit. He didn't drive at all. Um, but it was a pretty easy way to pack up. When I moved out here, I rented a U-Haul. Uh, kind of foolishly, I, I you know brought a bed, the same dresser I brought home from college, uh, my TV clothes, you know, I think I brought a guitar with me. And when I looked at the final bill of the U-Haul plus gas one, I was like eight fifty. dollars um, I guess U-Haul's fed up of people bringing their U-Haul trucks here and just leaving them because nobody's leaving Vegas. Uh, and it's like, what can you do with eight fifty dollars to refurnish your house, right? You can easily buy a bed, buy a TV or whatever. Because let, um, let me guess. Was your dresser like a nice hardwood dresser or was it like an Ikea dresser? No, it was a hardwood. I, oh. So I bought it was a nice off dress. A, a sweet lady, my sophomore year in college, right? Um, See, a lot of people will load up their U-Haul with a bunch of IKEA furniture and like a chair from Target and a computer desk that was a hand-me-down mm. and haul it out. See, and that's exactly what I didn't want to do because most of my stuff in Florida was like my college stuff. So I'm like, I'm gonna part ways with this. So for Kirsten, I went out and I, I helped drive her out from Florida to Vegas, and we drove in large part because of Goose to get. A dog moved is harder to fly out and pack stuff up and send it than it is to drive them out. So I went out. I went out to. uh, I was going to fly either into Jacksonville or into Orlando the day after Christmas and rent a minivan. Jacksonville didn't have any minivans. Orlando did. Why did Orlando have minivans? Disney. New York. Disney. It's Disney. (laughs) Disney's the entire reason why there's a ton of minivans there. So I get there. And I have my reservation. My flight got delayed leaving San Diego by seven hours the day after Christmas. Delayed because they had to reverse the runway because of the wind. So planes were taking off into the city instead of into the ocean. How long does it take for them to pick it up and turn around? Well, it's very light. It's just a concept. So it only takes one guy thinking about it. He's just like, oh, there. Um, they, they switched it. Well, they switched it for the wind. And then... You've got all these planes lined up to take off, so you can't move them to the other side of the runway. 
So they had to wait until they had a gap that they could let the bigger planes line up and go the other way. Oh. So I'm like seven hours delayed. I'm flying across the country. And I land, and it's like 11.30 at night. I go down to the van counter, and everybody's having altercations because they're out of vans. They overbooked vans. It's the super busy time where it's the week after Christmas going into New Year's, so everybody's off, and we're going to go. I'm going to Disneyland. Disneyland, you owe us money. Um, <laughs> and so they didn't have them, so I end up getting stuck and spending the night in the, in the airport at the Orlando the Hotel Airport Hill. Yeah. And I was I was going through all the different things that we could possibly do to make sure this worked. And I was going, okay, I got to have plan number one, backup plan in case tomorrow morning they don't have a van also. Because I didn't think they would. <laughs> so I'm going, okay, I can go. We can rent a smaller car, put less of our stuff in it, and then still have room for Goose. We'll pack the trunk full, put Goose in the back seat. Half the back seat will be hers and she'll be uncomfortable, but that's fine because we'll make it. Uh, they have like, they have Toyota Celicas and, and Nissan Sentras and stuff. I'm like, we can, I guess maybe it'll work. I'm not super happy about that. Um, then I'm going, okay, well, it's going to cost $1,000 from Florida to Vegas to rent it for the days. So there's unlimited mileage, but there's a fee for, because it's a rental car. It's not, I'm not renting a van, but I look on, I look at U-Hauls and I look at um, actually renting a U-Haul, but then Goose would be in the cab with us and there'd be very little stuff rattling around in the back. So all of those are not great options. And so I'm looking around online. I go, well, I wonder if there's any vans for sale. <laughs> and I look around <laughs> and I find like a 2005 Econoline, a Dodge Econoline van that's been used for panel and construction work. And so the inside is no seats carpeted. It's got oh an ASFN so tape deck. It looks like it had been smoked in, and it also had definitely been used by workers. I hope that the only tape you could find is like Doobie Brothers classics. It'd be amazing. We'd be buying stuff. Listening to music for 2,000 miles. Oh, my God. Yeah, 2,200, 2,100? At some point, it would break. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. You just wear it out. Got to get the pencil and correct the oh tape God. back. <laughs> I'm going to skip this song. Hold on. Um, the... But there's this van, and it's 2800 bucks. And I go, I'll bet I could buy that van, drive it across the country, and sell it for at least two grand, if not 2800 in Vegas when I get there. Just give it to charity as a write-off. Sure. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, that's my back pocket plan. So the next morning, I get up and I go downstairs fully expecting them to go, yeah, we don't have any vans available for rental, so good luck. And then having to go, okay, I'm, I'm going to call this guy and see if he'll take 2000 cash and I can just walk out of there. And I walk up, I hand him my thing, they go, here's your van. I go, okay, I get in it, it's got 300 miles on it, it's brand new. All of the seats fold down and disappear, so there's like a, a palace in the back for Goose. I go and get her, we load up and we're on the road, same day. We hit Amarillo that night. No, Jackson. Or excuse me, Jackson, Mississippi that night. Next night we hit Amarillo, <laughs> and the next night we're in Vegas. It takes us three days, blow through, just clean it out, and we got here. How much stuff did you bring with you? Um, a van load. Yeah, van load, pretty much. <laughs> it was like six uh, big, what, a, like storage containers. I don't even yeah, know what like size they were. Yeah, sixteen by twenty by. 26. I had no idea because we didn't have the car, so I was like, I don't know how much I can actually fit into a van. So I'm just gonna pack the necessities. It was basically like clothes, computer, 
um, my trophies from competing um, and just like a bunch of things that I felt like I needed for two months worth of being here. And uh, we just ran into the problem this morning that like I didn't bring any summer clothes. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta Uh, go home. (laughs) You came from Florida, you didn't bring summer clothes? Well, because I knew it was gonna be cold here the first couple months that I was here, so. But no TV, no bed, no dresser. No, he has everything. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna leave it all at my place. Well, the other thing is that I didn't just like, I didn't have to sell my place or anything. I just like my apartment's there and I have access to it. So I'm not like, that's true. My stuff is there and safe. And so we'll deal with that problem when, You're when we get there. Any Airbnb or anything like that in the meantime? Mm-mm. Okay. So at this point, we've got Alex with his U Haul, Kier and I renting a van, like an actual van, not a moving van. And then when I moved here from New York, there's a third option. And I did this because I wasn't sure if I was going to move to Vegas. Did you box it and mail it? Uh, close. We did a, a like one of those odd U-box kind of oh, things. Oh, yeah. And, and so, so basically what it was is we went, okay, where do I want to be next? I'm living in New York, and I found a calculator online that shows you how far your money goes. And all the job offers I was getting in New York, knowing what New York costs, I was like, no, no, this is not going to work. I won't thrive. I won't survive. I'll be eking it by. And I had friends in Vegas, so I called them and said, hey, can I come stay with you guys for like a month? See if I can find anything there. And if I do, I'll stay. If not, I'll go back to San Diego and I'll live with my parents and figure it out. And they said, yeah. So we, I put all the stuff in a pod shipped it across country it cost me two grand i think and it was the size of a van like you could probably put a van in it but i packed it full and sent it out and then it just sits there and so we stayed in their spare room but within a week i found a job an apartment and was stable and it was the apartment i got was a thousand dollars a month two bed two bath and i'm coming from a one bed one bath Half the price, twice the size. I found a job bartending. It was just I was gonna ask crazy. <clears throat> I was oh, gonna say you in? you moved out here randomly and they did like the best job in Vegas and uh, no I I, <laughs> I was like whoa no I it was I was bartending it was it was cool I opened a restaurant out in uh, uh, Tivoli Village oh nice um v- interesting group of people it's a Bunch very people nice from, part of town for those who don't know. It's not like yeah. you wound up in the dregs of society. Well, it was weird because I worked, I worked there, and then I worked. Uh, I did union bartending for a while as well. Uh, mm. So that whole bartending thing will be a totally different episode when we get more professionals on that can talk about it than I, who kind of so, passed through it over the course of a year and a half. Yeah. Well, so you moved out here and you didn't have a job lined up. I moved out no. here having a job lined up. Oh yeah. So that's you, right. You. So I came here because of the financial benefit. Kirsten came here. With an online business, so I didn't really have to worry about job stuff. And then, Alex, you moved out because you got hired at a job. Yeah, which is also a financial benefit. But uh, Yeah, did they give you a moving allowance? (laughs) They did. That's great. A whopping $3,000, I think, which is the cheapest way to lock in employment in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Honestly. Uh, So, uh, for those who don't know... Las Vegas suffers this natural churn. A lot of people move out here for a couple of years and then leave. And so to lock somebody into coming and working for your employer to make sure that you don't get poached immediately, which almost happened, um, 
they give you a small moving allowance and you sign away, uh, I think it's like 18 months now at the time for me, it was about a year. Um, but like, I think a month and a half after moving out here, I got like several job offers like, hey, why don't you come yeah. to our company? And it's like, why? Because you don't have to pay for the moving allowance now, but I would still would. Um, so that happens. But so I was working in the Bay Area and the company I was at, at the time had gone bankrupt. And so they wanted me this to- is, This is foreshadowing something, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> oh yeah. So <laughs> the company I was at wanted me to move to St. Louis at the time. And late 2014, they were having a bunch of riots. You know, a police officer had killed somebody. And I was, I grew up next to Oakland, California. And I was like, I've never seen a riot like this. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's pretty intense. It's going to be far from family. Um, luckily enough, I, I was applying everywhere. You know, you name a big company in the San Francisco Bay Area, I applied to it. Uh, the first person I got, or group I'd gotten traction with was a major casino out here in Vegas. And, uh, you know, I, I had asked a lot of people, what do you think working for the casino world? I, I was 24 at the time. I was kind of young. I was like, man, what does this look like on a resume? You know, you go work for a casino and stuff. And um, I talked to my manager at the time who was like, are you going to move? And I was kind of like, are you going to move? And we both said we weren't certain, which I'm pretty certain meant that we both knew the answer was no, we weren't going to move to St. Louis and not that I have anything against St. Louis, it just wasn't the right uh, opportunity for us at the time. And so I talked to several people and including my dad, he goes, well, remember when you were young, you asked me, you know, in the casinos, you know, how do the casinos know that they're gonna win? He goes, somebody smart upstairs is doing the math on it to make sure that they, they always maintain an edge. And I was like, oh, now I get to be one of those smart people, so I'll take it. Um, so within about three weeks, I went from a company that was going uh, through bankruptcy, it's the I think it was Chapter 11, the restructuring type. Uh, they sold off a bunch of uh, arms of their business and then restructured up underneath the parent company. I moved out to Vegas um, late in 2014, and I think about six weeks ish after I got here, uh, the company I just taken a job with uh, that said, "Put your, uh, put us all over your resume, put us on your chest. We're going to carry you far through life." Uh, filed themselves for bankruptcy. So at the time, I felt like I was quite the the omen for any business I'd ever worked for. Yeah, so that's actually where Alex and I met. We were both doing the same thing. <coughs> it was marketing analytics for a casino. And uh, that in itself is a unique gig. Yeah, you're basically sitting around and going, how do we get people to come in and spend more money than we give them in a prize? Let's yeah. give away barbecues for the 4th of July. Awesome. Who do we give them to so that we know when they come to pick them up, they'll put more than the cost of a barbecue into the machines? Yes. It's literally the math. And for those of you who don't know, we can actually give away slot machine coupons. You go stick a coupon yeah. into a slot machine and it'll let you play for free. Yeah. Who knew? Well, the play is, so as much as the play is for free, it is like, here's $100 to go put in a machine and play. That person, when they sit down at the machine and play $100, when they're done, they put more money in. <laughs> that $100 means nothing to us because it's a write-off as an expense and they give it back to us. Hmm. So it cost us zero. It cost us printing and management costs. I think there's slight taxes involved now. There's taxes. There's also the return because we have to pay the return on spend. Yeah. Uh, or return on win. Um, but at the end of the day, they put it back in. It's it's crazy. The You're... They're not going to beat the casino. 
don't don't believe the lies. They're, the cake is a lie. Enjoy the fun. Enjoy the fun. Enjoy the fun, the glitz and the glamour. Enjoy the fun. I think that's what Vegas is is very good at. But that's the front and the back side of all this stuff is that the when when people are looking here and looking to move here, a lot of people that are listening right now and don't live in Vegas look at Vegas and go, Okay, it's it's this this super fast, super paced, everybody goes to clubs, everybody knows a showgirl, everybody's in it. It's Sin City. That's what it's I got Sin from City. people all the time. They're like, You know that's Sin City, right? Like yeah, it's so <laughs> your point. How do you guys feel about Miami? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I should have shot back uh, with that. No, uh, well, so that's what I said. Well, that's that's a really interesting point on Miami because Miami, and Kirsten, you know this even better, and we've talked about it a couple of times, Miami is so much posturing. It's so much facade. Oh, it's plastic. The people there present whatever they need to do to seem Miami but you were telling me about a guy that ha- that was like in debt for like three cars. Like he had a car, but it was a rental car. Or he borrowed it for somebody. That was somebody else. Telling that was that not story. me. <laughs> okay. There's um, a great, but they, uh, that's constant. And here's what I will say: is that the difference is in Vegas. The people that actually live here, if they drive a nice car, that person has money. Well, if you go back when we first moved to town here, like 2012, your mortgage was 200k for oh, a five yeah. bedroom house. You're paying eight hundred dollars a month for your mortgage, and your lease in your car was a thousand bucks. So yeah. your expenses were the same as everybody else, except you drove a car nicer than your house. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think but, I mean more like the Maseratis, because uh, there's a lot of Maseratis yeah, here. There's yeah. a lot of Teslas here, and a New lot of those people signs. are. Well, there's so many jobs here that are managing casinos, floor managers, dealers. Mm. Uh, there's so many jobs here that make a lot of money a lot of for the number of jobs. people that are here. A lot of yeah. cash jobs. A lot of cash jobs. So you probably a can get a... strippers. Can you get a loan for a car better than you can get a loan for a house? Right? Like if you get a cash job, you could probably get a better car loan than you can get a, um, a house loan. You know I, what I mean? I don't know. Mm. I, I have one car loan. I've had two car loans in my life. And one of them was from the credit union that my mother was a member of when I was 16. And then the other one is CarMax. So CarMax, give me a dollar. Um, but that's it. That's the only two that I've known. All right. So I'm not sure. I'm very much a cash and carry car guy. Right, right. Yeah. Interestingly enough, all the people want to be new money here. The fake to make it's just like Miami. But we were talking about uh, people's perception of Vegas a second ago. And I was going to say, similar to the how do you guys feel about Miami and the Sin City bit, I was leaving Oakland, California, and people said, aren't you worried about gangs? Aren't you worried about drugs? You know, and it's like, well, people here trying to get drugs are typically tourists trying to have a good time. They're trying yeah. to get into that kind of stuff. Um, and I just laughingly said, like, you know, we live right next to Oakland, and the murder rate is probably pretty similar. <laughs> the drug rate's probably pretty similar. Um, and, it, it, you know, once you kind of put that into perspective that the crime rate isn't the perceived crime rate, you know, uh, you're actually okay. And I've actually never seen any major amounts of crime. You know, we've had a couple things that have happened that made national news and and kind of were a dampener. But other than that, it's not like you go to Walgreens on your weekend and you're worried about being held up, you know. No, it's Everything's pretty normal. Yeah, it's as... As I think to the places that I've lived, I, I saw... And this, again, comes to the density. The places where the population is extremely dense, you see more crime just because there's more people to see being 
having crime done to them. That was a weird sentence. But San Francisco and New York, and from what I hear, Chicago and places like that, you, you look around and there's like a thousand people around you all the time. And then you go, oh, that person got their purse snatched. I saw crime today. But where here in Vegas, you see the people that you work with and you see the people at the grocery store, which is very similar to places like, you know, Oakland and stuff, where there is crime, but you never see it. Yeah, I mean, strangely enough, see homelessness. Some here. of, hmm, yeah, you see the the day walkers coming out. Well, of I saw, yeah, I saw somebody pooping on the side of the street. Oh the my other god, day. that was exciting. <laughs> at lunch, I got it's everybody from San Francisco coming here. That's not who it is. <laughs> it's not. Uh, well, so I'm tired of the Bay Area. I think uh, right. I'm gonna go to Vegas. I think uh, a, a lot of the crime for a homeless person, right? I think a lot of the crime you see coming out of uh, Vegas is something that makes national attention, right? So we either get like the jackpot winners or we get the big convention news slash celebrity finally retiring to their career in Vegas or you hear crime, right? I guess so. I don't I don't think I hear that much crime in Vegas as news stories. I do know that the police here are overworked because they're so busy taking care of the tourists. So they won't even, like if you have a little fender bender or you have something going on, you don't call the police. That is kind of nice though. Like if the police pull you over, you know you're getting a ticket. Yeah. Like own up to it. They took time. Apologize. Right. They, out of their very busy days. So here's something. You're in the wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Here's something I will mention for people that are thinking about moving here. Once you move here, you have 30 days to register your vehicle in the state and to change your driver's license over. Yep. If you claim that you're just going to be here for a while, you have to prove that or get around. I'm not sure how you finagle that. But I know that when I moved here, I my car was registered in California and my driver's license was California. And I was staying in an apartment. The I think it was a marshal. Cruised that apartment building and then... 40 days later, cruise the apartment building again because a lot of the people that move here go to apartments first. And so that's how they catch people that haven't registered their cars. So I got a ticket and it was a fix-it ticket and I was able to register the car, but I still had to pay the 150 bucks for not having it registered. So you got 30 days to register your car and uh, switch your license over. It's not terrible. No. And a lot of people get away with it for a lot longer, especially if you're in a house or a residential area. But if you're in an apartment, you, you've got a high, you've got a, a sticker on your back saying, ticket me. Now you got to be careful with all the HOAs here. Basically, every other community oh, yeah. has, an, has an HOA and they've got some shady deal with a towing company. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this. My first home I lived in, I've, I've been in three out here so far in about five years. Um, you just, you know, you want to check out a different side of town, kind of move around, you get a different job, you ease your commute. Uh, I first started living here on the west side, and so driving to the Strip every day was as exciting as it was. You can only stare at the sun as it rises in the east, like due east. All the streets are west to east or north to south uh, for half an hour every morning. Um, but I, I, It's absolutely true. Quick, quick jump in. So I've only ever lived on the west side of town, and I've worked on the Strip or the east side of town, <laughs> which means every commute I've ever had in Vegas, I drive into the sun in the morning, and I drive into the sun at night. Like a cowboy. But right during the, the summer, when the days stretch out enough, and I start getting off work at like 4, then it's great because the sun is still up. You got another four hours of daylight. That's fine. Yeah, it's great. And then in the dead of winter, 
I, I'm going to work in the dark and I'm leaving in the dark, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you have to go for a walk at lunch, make sure the sun's still there. Uh, but so when I my first HOA community, they went around at about two thirty in the morning and they set off like four or five alarms in the middle of the night, car alarms. You're like, oh my god, we're having like a string burglary of car alarms. Like, what's going on? You know, and I was expecting one of the other neighbors to call the police or something as it was going down. And they finally got to my car, and it was a, a guy in a crazy tiny little car with, and I, I looked at it, there's a magnet on the side of the car saying he was with a towing company. And they were inspecting my car for if it moved or not, because we're in an HOA. It's like, I park my car in the same spot every night, in front of my house, every Checking night. Checking to see if it moved, like rocket back and forth on the brakes? No, 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 like, uh, is your car broken down? It was my daily driver. Had the guy come by at noon, my car wouldn't be there because I'd be at work. And the guy put a, a warning sticker on my car. Your vehicle is in you know, danger of being towed. And you're like, what on earth is this? And wow. it's these weird towing companies coming by, playing you know, by these strange rules. You know, We'll go by on a Friday night, sticker their car. And if it hasn't moved in three days, we come back Monday morning, yeah. we can tow it. And we can charge you know, whatever. Because then they're trying to grab the people that are out, out of town. Ungodly, right? Yeah. That... That is a nice thing about Vegas, though. When you go out of town, it is a luxury. So yeah. everybody wants to fly here, and the flights oh are so God, expensive. So you leave here for, <laughs> I don't know, $55, $60. Yeah, because uh, you're each flying flight. opposite. You go to the airport on a Friday, and just the conventioneers and you are going into the airport. But you're Not flying even. Friday at 5 the o'clock, they're gone. Friday at 5 They check out of those hotels, and they want that flight home. Or they want to be home before 5 o'clock, because they're no longer getting paid. Yeah. But Friday you fly out and there's a flood of people coming in and you're going the other way and it's like VIP, straight line service, this way, one bag, two bag, full sir, come on over. So I was A-list last year. I think I flew 39 times on Southwest domestically. Nice. And I don't have TSA pre-check. Because I've never stuck in uh, the TSA lines How for does more than twenty minutes. Oh, gotcha. No, yeah, there's, there's no reason to. You yeah, can go Vegas... sit in an office for three hours and fill out forms, or you can just walk through. Well, I, so I will say that Vegas has, if you're in and out of Terminal One, which Southwest is, you're fine. Right. Terminal Three, if you don't have pre-check and you're going anywhere. Every once in a while, it's an hour and a half wait. I've never flown through there. Yeah, Terminal 3 has Frontier and a bunch of the international stuff. So if you're flying international, you're going out of there. Gotcha. And I haven't had a problem. I flew out three times. Yeah, from Frontier? Yeah. It's so always like really straight through. Very easy, quick. Yeah, but you also have the benefit of being able to leave on a Tuesday at 11. Mm. Monday? Monday? Yeah. Same, same. Right. But it also depends on when you buy your tickets. Kirsten's right. She definitely had an easy window when she was flying out because um, we were able to window it that way. But we've the, got, sorry, I was going to say, we've got Spirit flying out of T1. So even if you need like the discount airline, you still can get through. So those are the two, depending on where you're at, Spirit and Frontier. So Frontier is the one to Jacksonville. And that's, yeah, direct flight. That is yeah. the only direct flight. Hmm. And then Spirit just bounces around. Wherever they go. And then Southwest, though, out of Terminal 1 is great. That's the anchor. Easy. Yeah. I think Terminal 1 also is so easy because there's three entrance gates. Like security points. So they distribute yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Where Terminal 3 has one gate. Hmm. Or one pass-through. Because then you go get on the trains. That's kind of nice. You know what I was just thinking about, sorry, in T1, is uh, 
even though you're at the airport, they still have like slot machines and everything there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it cracks me up. You know, they, they even like built in smoking rooms so you can mm-hmm. still go smoke your cigarette and play slot machines. And yeah. the p- machines in the grocery store, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's very Gas stations oh, too, right? My goodness, right. The guy goes shopping and his wife goes and plays some slots. Oh, God. To ride a passage up. to walk by and go, the hell? <laughs> but everybody I know in California buys scratchers, you know, and they, they love buying too. the scratchers here and there, you know, or whatever. It's once in a whim. And they look at you like, I can't believe you have a slot machine in a grocery store. And you're like, it's the same thing as a scratcher. Mm-hmm. We're still paying our taxes. It, well, it benefit. We actually don't pay taxes and it covers all of our taxes. For now. For now. They just uh, passed that bill that you have to register the amount of miles on your car. How many miles did you have this year versus oh. next year and whatnot? Yeah, but they've been doing registration fees based on value, right? So they did, the newer your car is, the more you pay in registration fees. They still way overvalue my car, man. Well, that's nice of them. See if you can get it boiled in for the blue book when you sell it. I'm going to have to talk with Geico. Uh, so they're going to now check the mileage? They, they already do. So you have to report your mileage every year when you re-register your car. So they know how much you drive. And everybody kind of, the freak out side of that wasn't for your car's worth. It was for, we're going to tax you by the mile now. Well, we already pay indirectly by the mile when we buy gas. So kind it's of. strange. Yeah. yeah, not literally, but depending on your car's mileage, you'll pay less or more. That's why everybody here has a Tesla. Is that why they're doing the mileage thing? Is for the electrical vehicles? Potentially. Well, it's strange because this is a very solar and electric-friendly city. We'll see what happens. I mean, we've got hydropower as our main source of power with the Hoover Dam. Then beyond that, there's the the Tonopah solar fields are south of here, but those are for California. But we have... Are those exclusively California? They're just over the state line, huh? Yeah, and they're... There are Californias, and there's a, a, a line that runs the power back all the way over to L.A. Yeah. So for people who don't know what that is, uh, it's a James Bond-esque electrical uh, generator. And there's a, a mirror array field. Instead of having solar panels, uh, the mirrors just point the sunlight at what looks like a lighthouse. And the lighthouse has a uh, sodium-type or sodium-based, salt. I it's guess. liquid yeah. salt. Molten liquid Molten. salt That's the at like 3,200 degrees. Uh, and, and so instead of, what was that terrible James Bond movie, uh, Die Another Day or something like that, where they you had the Icarus satellite that cut across oh, Antarctica? Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. started global warming. Um, we have this, this mirror Don't. field points <laughs> it at, at the molten, uh, and it heats it up in... in uh, I guess yeah, powers turbines. Yeah, it's this pillar, and at the top of the pillar is, is the open conduit where the salt runs through. And so the salt's just in a tube being pumped through. And they f- all the mirrors are on computer-controlled kind of pivots. So when they push a button, they all go vroom and point. And so it's reflecting. It makes that noise. Yeah, it's ref- well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's light, so it doesn't make that much noise. Um, but it, it's... A football field worth of sunlight being concentrated on something the size of half of a Volkswagen bug. Yeah. And so that spot heats up so hot that it keeps the salt molten. And they use the, the molten salt to they pump the salt power, through the system. Right, yeah. To power um, steam turbines. Steam, yeah. So this, the end result is the same as a nuclear power plant, which powers steam turbines off of heat. But this we're using the so, giant nuclear reactor in the sky instead of one here in a box. And there was a lot of controversy because they get so hot that birds fly overhead and oh. vaporize. 
and fall out of the sky. I mean, it's in the desert. It's in the middle of nowhere. Well, the thing aside about, from our highway, there's nothing. Yeah. So people get mad about the dead birds from the solar power vaporizing plants. They get mad about the dead birds from the windmills. You know what the number one killer of birds in the U.S. is? House cats. Oh, okay. People's pet cats are more of a pain in the bird than windmills and solar. It's probably a worse death. The, wait, which one? The cat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got... If I had to choose a way to go between being thwacked in half by a windmill, vaporized by a sun ray, or toyed with by a large feline. Probably overweight, probably declawed. <laughs> I don't know, this sounds like some people's fantasy. <laughs> just just have that overweight feline get declawed and batter me. A homeowner comes out with a broom, trying to save you, knocks you out of the sky with your last burst of energy. Oh, we are now going, what's it called? Oh, seriously off topic. That's right. what it's called. So let's... Back uh, to Moon of Vegas. Let, let's, <laughs> let's call this uh, an excellent episode and... Uh, Kirsten, do you have any last words for us? I think that's all. Okay. Alex, do you have anything you want to leave us with? Do you want to invite people? Do you want to promote anything? I don't know. Do you have anything to promote right now? Where can people find you? It's about to be. I don't have anything oh, exciting. there's an about to be. Find. What's the about to be? No, I was going to say it's about to be summertime. So everybody come out. Uh, please don't fulfill the Vegas side prophecy of looking your best and acting your worst. You know, understand? These are people with day jobs that are funding and supporting your pool parties, all your shenanigans. Uh, be kind to them. I'm not going to say you have to tip them, but, you know, uh, it does go a long way. A lot of these people are doing uh, many hours of work running around these mega resorts just for you. And, uh, you know, just enjoy Vegas for what it is. And if you move here for a couple of years, uh, just, you know, don't change the ecosystem until you fully understand it. It's a fair, fair statement and appreciated. I will say, though, that if you come out and you're wearing heels... Get as hammered as you can and walk around drunk in the casino. It is hilarious to watch. Continue but, to entertain <laughs> us with your visits. Please don't take your shoes off on the street or in the casino. No, that is gross. You don't they want to do the, that. They have the little um, vending machines, though, for flip-flops. Good point. Kirsten brings up a good point. They They're flats. You can, They're it's great. It's a vending machine for flats, and you put in your credit card and get a set of flats. And I want to watch you do it, so do it. <laughs> <laughs> not me. Them. She yes. wants to watch you do it, not me do it. It's one of our totems. Staring right at me for that one. (laughs) I want to watch you do it. I'm not wearing flats. No, I am wearing. Doesn't matter. They're not the flats that she wants. No. All right. (laughs) Thanks, you all. Come see us wherever magazines are sold. It's justintime.com on your favorite social media. And ta-da. See ya. Ciao. Better meat type chickens.